God be the glory. It's uh, very gratifying that uh, we're able to fulfill Dr. Falwell's original vision, which is to play at the very highest level. Guys, I want to tell you, you're representing so many people today. You are living out what people started many years ago. You are walking on their shoulders, their foundation. You make up your mind that you leave this field today with absolutely no regrets that you'll remember. That you left it all out there and you come back in here and I gave it all for Liberty University, my teammates, my coaches. We'll do it together for we can. For we, we can. can do all things. Do all things. Through Christ Jesus. He strengthens us. Strengthens us. Each and every day. Each and every day. And may God. And may God. Play with play. All right, all right, all right. It is Beat Coastal Week, and you're listening to a Sea of Red podcast. My name is Chad Hassan. I'm joined by co-host, founder, and creator, all things a Sea of Red, John Manson. John, how's it going? Doing great, Chad, man. Is this the fourth time that this season that Liberty's had the biggest game in school history? I think, I think, I think we're up to number four. Well, actually, it feels more than that. It feels like we're on episode eleven. It feels like this is at least nine or ten. Um, but yeah, you're you're right, man. What <laughs> this is, there's no disputing that this is the biggest game in school history. Beat Coastal Week. Uh, excited for fans uh, who have been a part of this rivalry for a while. That was born somewhere in the 2007-2008 era. Um, I'm excited for fans who have never experienced it. It is just something about these two schools, and, and and even before we even knew our paths to the FBS and we would meet again on college game day, top 25 matchup, before all of that, it felt like it just all leads up to this. I remember you doing an article maybe last year, and maybe you can speak to that a little bit. Just talk about how Coastal is our number one recruited against school, even after all these years of being out of the Big South, and you know we seem to be eight hours apart and we're not in the same conference, but why are we, why are we always up against them for, for recruits? And what does that say about our programs and, and why are we on the same trajectory there? But uh, more specifically, what about the recruiting? Why is that such a big deal against coastal? Well, it does seem that our two football programs have kind of mirrored one another for the, you know, going back till, you know, like you said, the mid, you know, 2000 era, you know, 2006, 2007, in that area when it kind of got, got started, this rivalry. And um, Danny Rocco really kind of launched the rivalry, in my opinion, at least from a Liberty perspective. But, um, you know, I think that's the biggest thing is the, the, the two programs have been mirror images of one another. You know, they started off in the FCS. Obviously, Coastal had uh, more success in the FCS era, but they both you know, the Big South Championship went through one of those two teams, you know, who won the conference championship at, at least a share of it every year for like 10 straight years, uh, with the exception of one. And, you know, then they get the invitation from the Sun Belt, kind of one-upping Liberty at the time to to get to the FBS and kind of get that jump started. But, you know, then Liberty's like, you know, as Lee Corso would say in a college game day, you know, game, not so fast, my friend, as Liberty gets the uh, waiver to, to join the FBS ranks as an independent. And, um, you know, both have kind of been, you know, you would say until this year, kind of, you know, the last two years, lower level FBS teams, both, you know, competing at, 
at that lower level get with some of the uh, lower level G5 teams for recruits and and both programs have kind of risen over the past two years and really this year um, you know Liberty got Coastal's never been to a bowl game you know Liberty got to the bowl game last year a year ahead of them got the first ever bowl win so they kind of had that cap in the feather and and now you know if you look you know Jamie Chadwell and Hugh Freeze, are they not the two most talked about names on the coaching carousel, you know, rumor board as that kind of is getting heated up now with two SEC jobs open? Um, if you Google any any uh, coaching vacancy at the Power Five level, those two names are, are at the top of everybody's mind. So, but yeah, they've, you know, those two teams compete against each other in uh, recruiting. It's great to see the rivalry renewed. I mean, it's been four years since the teams have played. And this is the first of, I believe, six scheduled games over the next, you know, 10 years or so. So uh, really looking forward to it. Obviously, it's got the biggest, the most riding on it that we've ever had. And that that says a lot uh, based on what some of these games have meant in the past. But, yeah, a lot of recruiting uh, battles goes goes on between these two teams. And, you know, they kind of recruit the same area, you know, the southeast, Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, obviously, up to North Carolina. Um, you know, they're, they're always in the same high schools recruiting players. It's been a fun rivalry. So <clears throat> we're going to get into the top five Coastal Carolina moments and, and uh, Coastal versus Liberty moments. And I'm excited about this because a lot of what you just said is on our list. And I'm uh, being a 2009 Liberty alum, this, uh, this rivalry is where I fell in love with Liberty football, Liberty sports, just having that other team that you just didn't like. I mean, they've had NFL players. They've had uh, – they've had, and they're just – it's just something about Myrtle Beach area where they live, where we vacation type thing, and then they're the big party-type school. And, and then the Liberty is the exact opposite. We're tucked in the mountains in central Virginia and real conservative. It's just kind of a wild dynamic all the way through the Big South. So – Excited to talk about these. One thing I did want to mention uh, that I came into my mind when you were talking is it feels like we've just one-upped each other the entire time we've been playing. I mean, you know, big uh, Coastal gets the Big South Championship. Liberty wins the Big South Championship. Uh, Coastal blocks a field goal to win a game in double overtime. Liberty blocks a field goal to win a game. Uh, uh, the, maybe the most, the most epic game uh, between the two. Then you have Coastal one-ups Liberty again and goes FBS when everybody knew we were trying to go FBS and we couldn't. They got the Sun Belt invite when we couldn't get it. So they one-upped us there, and then here we go, come back, and we one-up them by going FBS and not only being FBS but winning a bowl game. So I think Liberty wins, holds the uh, title at, at seven wins, and Coastal has six wins in the overall. Oh, um, it's 7-7. Seven, seven. Oh, is it 7-7 seven, seven now? Yeah, it's 7-7. Seven, seven. So it's tied 7-7. Seven, seven. I mean, this is just all coming down to here we are. We're putting our best cards on the table, top 25 matchup. This, I just, I, you know, man, 11 years ago, you know, when I graduated, who would have thought we would have been FBS playing Coastal in a top 25 matchup? But let's get into the top five, John, um, before we give it all away here. So number five, John, what, we're talking best coastal versus Liberty moments in the history of the rivalry for all you new folks who aren't who didn't get to watch those games or be a part of them. We we'll try to let you in a little bit on on why this is such a heated rivalry, why we 
love this game week so much. So number five, John. There, yeah, there's so many that that we could choose from. It's hard to narrow it down to just five, as it as the, is the case with any rivalry, long-standing rivalry. But you know, I'll go back to the 2006, and I guess we should have the caveat to begin for you know we have mainly Liberty fans listening to this podcast, but you know this is not from a Liberty fan perspective. This is from a as neutral as we can be, non-biased perspective. So some of these games are. are Liberty wins and some of them are coastal wins, just the five biggest, you know, moments in this, in the series history. And in, in our opinion, uh, but yeah, I'll start with the 2006 game. You know, obviously that was, you know, kind of the beginning of this rivalry, probably the first game that, you know, anybody ever uttered the words beat coastal, which came from brand new first year head coach Danny Rocco, uh, for the Flames. Liberty was coming off a one in 10 season in 2005. Rocco was hired and I think any, uh, Liberty fan that's been around that long, they would say that that was kind of the birth of the modern Liberty football era, if you will. And, um, you know, Rock, Rocco said from the beginning when he was hired, he said Coastal is the, is the big dog in, in, the, uh, in the conference, in the Big South. If we want to win a conference championship, which is our goal, then we have to go through them. So he, he made no qualms about, you know, wanting to, to beat them and play them. So 2006, Liberty goes down there, big underdogs going up against a, a coastal team who uh, has eyes on the um, FCS playoffs for the first time in their play, in their school history. They got an NFL quarterback, Tyler Thigpen, who ended up playing in the NFL, also uh, had a couple NFL players on their team back in that era. But, um, you know, Coastal ends up winning the game 28-26, to but, you know, Liberty going toe-to-toe with, you know, a top 25 team like that, losing by only two points when, you know, Liberty ended up just six and five. They were three and five after that game, but they won their final three games. But that was kind of like a statement. You know, I felt like a, a flag was planted in the ground there that day uh, to go on the road and, and, you know, stay within two points of a Coastal Carolina team that, you know, had dreams of going to the uh, FCS playoffs. Liberty kind of put a flag in the ground and said, hey, you know, we're here. This is a rivalry. We're going to, you know, have an impact on the, this uh, conference championship race for the years to come, and I think that leads into to your your game there on the list, number four from two thousand seven. Yeah, yeah, I love that man. I love that Danny Rocco created those, and he 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 basically said expect to win was his thing, and he comes in and he says, "Yep, Coastal, you're the big dog," and and basically, I think I remember him saying, "To be the best, you have to beat the best. Coastal's the best." And they went down in 2006 and just basically said, we're here. And I love that, man. That was, that was the foresight of, of, a, of a great coach and an athletic director who, ha- who saw things headed in the right direction. And that's where it all started, 2006, which leads us to 2007. Uh, Liberty um, wins the game. And uh, the, like you said, the, the, day bef- the year before, they lost by two. But they, but you're right. That's when the momentum shifted is when we went down and stayed within two. But then we finally beat them for the first time uh, in this rivalry in 2007. Um, it wasn't the first time in school history, but the first time since they had been – it might have been. Was it the first time in school history in 2007? No, we had beat them once prior, but they were coming off three straight conference championships at that point in time. So they were, as you mentioned, the big dog at the time. Yeah, so they, they're coming off three straight uh, championships. Danny Rocco – was the head coach and kind of had had turned it in, um, turned it into that that 
rivalry and we went down and not only stuck the flag in the ground we raised the flag and basically said now we're on the top now now we win um so very 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 cool moment in 2007 liberty finally getting their first win in lynchburg uh very cool moment in this rivalry where it kind of felt like the power shifted uh, only to be yanked back a few times i'm sure yeah, 2007, as you mentioned, the, that ended the three-year reign of Coastal in the Big South, and it started a three-year reign for Liberty. Liberty went on to win Big South championships in 2007, the first ever in, in school history, 2008-2009 under Danny Rocco, and that game was kind of the tipping point. You know, maybe started in 2006, as we talked about, but uh, number three on the list, um, 2015, it's the season finale, uh, Thursday night game on ESPN News the first ever nationally televised game in, in Liberty football history. Uh, number four, Coastal Carolina comes into town, um, you know, looking to get back to the FCS playoffs again, nationally ranked, as I mentioned. But, you know, Liberty gets the upset 24-21 to, to get to six and five on the season. They don't make the playoffs, Coastal does. But, um, you know, it kind of get, gets bragging rights for one more year. B.J. Farrow, a freshman at the time, um, you know, caught a 40-yard touchdown pass that he on a slant that he made a few defenders miss, and I think a lot of Liberty fans can you know see that highlight playing back in their head. But Liberty gets the uh, upset win there uh, in prime time Thursday night game on ESPN News, um, kind of get a little revenge against the uh, number four Coastal Carolina China Clears. Yeah, so number t- we'll jump back a few years and go back to 2013 for our number two. Um, this was a game where John Lunsford had a 40-yard field goal to beat the number four ranked team in the country at FCS was Coastal Carolina when they uh, when we played them, and uh, that field goal was blocked in double overtime. I'll never forget the defeat. It felt like that you know at that point in time you know we were we were kind of like you said we had one three straight and then we were kind of going back and forth there. And uh, it just felt like a big opportunity to kind of ruin their season. Honestly, they were number four in the country, and and we thought we had them. Um, and then a uh, 40-yarder for Lunsford was blocked and uh, kind of ruined that. But it was a big moment in this rivalry's history just because of the double overtime and because of uh, the blocked field goal, which we'll find out more about in number one. Yeah, number one, 2014. Uh, number one, Coastal Carolina, 11-0, and regular season finale. Flames go down to uh, Conway and Brooks Stadium uh, with a backup quarterback, if you remember. Josh Woodrum had missed a previous game against Charleston Southern. He was out again against Coastal. Uh, Stefan Mosh had to step in and play and and uh, lead the Flames down. There was a, it was a de facto Big South championship game. The winner was going to get the Big South automatic bid to the FCS playoffs. Um, but, you know, Coastal, number one, 11-0. Everybody, you know, Liberty's got a backup quarterback they're playing as Woodrum is out of the game, um, you know, which, you know, which that's kind of crazy if you stop and just think about that one story there in and of itself. Woodrum is arguably one of the best quarterbacks in Liberty football history, certainly in the top five, probably top two or three. Uh, and Stefan Mosh has to come in, who ends up getting beat out for the starting job the following year by true freshman Buckshot Calvert. Um, but he leads Liberty on the road against the number one undefeated Coastal Carolina team to a win, 15 to 14. Um, you know, we, we all remember the block by Shima Yuzuwehe to uh, win the game, 15 to 14. 
which that score has uh, a lot of meaning for Liberty fans this year, uh, especially with a blocked field goal. But that one went Liberty's way that year. And uh, but it was it was uh, Stefan Masha and uh, you know also uh, Gabe Henderson who kind of led the offense to a, a game winning drive down there where Lunsford got a little bit of revenge, made a field goal with less than two minutes to play, and then Coastal came back down. They had a twenty four yard field goal attempt as time was expiring, and everybody's like, "Well, Coastal's going to pull this one out, seventeen to fifteen, But you know, the Flames are able to get a hand up there from Shima, the hand of God, as people call it. Liberty wins, goes to the FCS playoffs, first time in school history. And they don't stop there either. You know, they end up going on and beating JMU the following week, uh, which, you know, we're talking about some of the biggest wins in Liberty, Liberty's FCS football history right here. Uh, but it all started right there in Coastal um, on at Brooks Stadium, the same place that the Flames will play this coming Saturday for Regular season finale against an undefeated and nationally ranked Coastal Carolina team again this this week. Oh man, John, that is that just gave me goosebumps hearing you talk about that and just knowing that where we stand today with this team. Uh, man, that was a great game to watch, and and I'm glad you brought up Gabe Henderson. I mean, the guy was uh, came to Liberty as a quarterback. He he moved over to a slot receiver and uh, kind of took him a while to get going but we knew he was a great athlete and that day at coastal carolina him and stefan masha really shined and uh he was a great possession guy i could ju- i just remember him running slants getting open over the middle and he was just sure-handed made some huge catches on that final drive where lunsford kicked the field goal so uh i'm glad you mentioned gabe he had a great game and uh well deserved there i remember i, I just remember thinking you know it's it well deserved for this guy who was recruited a highly rated quarterback coming out of high school in um, Raleigh area. So it was great to see him have a huge performance on such a big stage. Man, what a game that was. And it's just crazy to me that two games in a row ended on blocked field goals. Now, John, with that, is that the last time that we have played Coastal? No, we played in 2016. So uh, that was 2014. We had the 2015 game in 2016 which a lot of Liberty fans like to uh, take the one out of our memory banks and deservedly <laughs> so. I mean, we got, you know, crushed 42-7 to seven, uh, in the regular season finale there. Uh, Coastal was on its way out of the FCS and Big South, headed to the Sun Belt and FBS, and that was before Liberty had, had a, you know, gotten in, gotten a waiver to the FBS. So it, it, was, a, it was a rough night for, for Flames Nation that 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 game but uh yeah that was the last time we played 2016 yeah the the one one thing that yeah and i obviously had erased that out of my memory i didn't didn't recall that until you brought it up but one of my biggest things with the coastal rivalry is yeah i mean it's fun to talk about their mascot is weird their colors are terrible their field is awful they're in myrtle beach which is the most tourist beach place in in the united states i would say it's just kind of Kind of a little bit Hoosier down there, but you know, um, you know, Chad. One thing that kind of gets under my skin—they're not from Myrtle Beach. They're in Conway. Yeah. I make sure I say Conway all the time. Every time I mention them, they—they they are not from Myrtle Beach. They claim it as their home. That's like Liberty claiming, you know, Roanoke as their home. It's—it's it's not where they're at. Yeah, we're not Roanoke or Richmond. We're in Lynchburg. So, so good point there. But the one thing I will always say about them. It, and it's been this way since 2006 when Danny Rocco said those words. 
they are the biggest litmus test for liberty and always have been. And, and it feels like they're always going to be. I mean, it's like if, if you think you're doing well, compare yourself to Coastal and see where they're at. And same for them. You know, and they're, they're coming and they think that they're doing well. Well, look, look where and see where Liberty is. We came into the FBS about the same time, had similar success in the FCS. I wouldn't say exactly the same. I mean, the, the school, the, the record is seven to seven in the history of the, the series. So, I mean, it just feels like we can always compare ourselves to Coastal. Like, what if we would have gotten that Sunbelt invite? What if we would have been the ones in the FBS first? What if that? And you, you can always look and say, well, Coastal's doing this. And it's kind of a – they're kind of a mirror program, like you said earlier. So this is why this game is so important with so much on the line. It's like, well, which program is going to come out on top and which one can is going to be comparing themselves to the other program for the foreseeable future. So um, I didn't realize we're playing them so many times uh, in the future. That's, that's a great, I'm glad I got, got my beat coastal shirt uh, dusted off and, and washed up. So it's been fun seeing all of those this week. So John beat coastal week. Uh, any, any thoughts on the game itself? I mean, obviously two high powered offenses going at each other. Um, you know, do you think that the rivalry is is too old for these players? Is it just for us fans to get fired up and talk about, or is it? Do you think these players have a little bit of that in them? Yeah, I think once they you know start reading some of these headlines this week, they'll they'll be reminded. And Liberty still got two players on their team that played back in 2016: Ralph Rusens and uh, Jimmy Fox, two defensive players. You know, Rusens one of the leaders of the teams. You know, started 30 some odd games consecutively. At, at nose guard on the defensive line. So he played in that game and, and as did Jimmy Fox. So, you know, they played on the teal turf before they, they're familiar with the rivalry. I'm sure, you know, Hugh free, you know, Kyle DeArmond and, and um, Matt Bevins are still on the football staff. Two guys that were, you know, played pivotal roles in, in the, uh, the series, you know, back in the FCS days, they're still on the staff. Hugh free said he was going to meet with them Monday afternoon to kind of get a, a tutorial on the rivalry. So, you know, there, there's staff members that are, you know, very familiar with the rivalry. There, there's a couple of players on there. I'm, I'm sure it's, it's been talked about. But, you know, at the end of the day, once, the, once you know, toe meets leather, as some people say, uh, Saturday afternoon down in Conway, and, and these guys start hitting each other and, you know, get a couple of plays under their belt, all that will go in the trash. And, and that'll be just for, you know, the broadcasters and the fans to talk about. But, you know, it, it won't have much of an impact on the game Saturday. I, don't, I wouldn't imagine. Yeah, and 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 before before we wrap up here, I do have to say I am uh, I respect I respect Coastal Carolina so much and what they've done. I mean, and just how they've handled their business and where they are from where they were. I mean, we we always talk about the meteoric rise of Liberty Athletics. Uh, Coastal Carolina is right there in that same boat with us. I mean, they they've come just as high as we have from just as low. And it, and it feels like that, you know, their baseball team winning a national championship a couple of years. You know, they're they've still got a ways to go in basketball. But it feels like that as an athletics program, you know, we started the beat coastal thing because of the they're the best. And I remember uh, Jeff Barber, the AD at the time, saying, you know, we want our goal is to win the Sasser Cup, which is for the overall best athletics program in the Big South. So you got points for winning championships and you got points for finishing second and so on. And then they would put all your points together and see how 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 well did you do compared to the other schools. And in Coastal, not only 
was winning football. They were winning a lot of other sports too. I remember they were good in track. I remember they were good in volleyball. Um, they were definitely good in baseball and soccer. They always had a nationally ranked team every once in a while there. So um, it feels like that they're just a great litmus test and I respect them a lot. We talk about Liberty and the meteoric rise. Well, right there beside us on the charts, you'll see teal and red kind of going at the same exact parallel and the same exact trajectory on that on that graph of, of rise in athletic departments. So respect them a lot, hate them a lot, and uh, can't, can't wait to watch this game on Saturday. All right, we are joined by Athletics Director, a good friend of the podcast, Mr. Ian McCall. Ian, thank you for joining us, and uh, let's jump right in. So how how did you react when you heard that game day was going to uh, – wanted to come down to Coastal, and uh, in what what ways does that help highlight our program and university in just terms of exposure and all the things they'll be doing down there for the game? How did you react, and then uh, what are some of the impacts that maybe it has that we're not really – thinking about yeah and we we had heard uh rumblings through espn that uh this uh game day was under consideration for the for coastal for a couple weeks and uh we were hopeful that it was going to uh be an opportunity for us and certainly having uh, two ranked teams playing and uh obviously both uh, coastal and liberty having incredible seasons it uh, made a great deal of sense for espn so we were certainly very excited about it it's incredible exposure for our program we'll be uh uh, a focal point in uh, the college football world on Saturday. And uh, we're certainly excited for our coaches and student athletes for the opportunity before them. So uh, Brett McMurphy tweeted out that Liberty could be left out of a bowl game because of no tie-in um, and then bowls saying they want to stick to their conference affiliations. I know this made a lot of Liberty fans pretty nervous that we might not be able to go to a bowl game, but is it possible that a nine or 10 win, 10 t- 10 win team and Liberty would be left out of a bowl game this year? Well, Chad, one of the things we've learned in 2020 is there are no guarantees <laughs> in the regular season or in postseason. And obviously, there have been a tremendous number of games canceled this year. There have been uh, nine bowl games thus far that have announced that they're not going to be played, and there's some others uh, very much in doubt. And certainly, that takes away from uh, opportunities for a lot of programs. But uh, uh, you know, we have great partners at ESPN, and I know they're going to do everything they can to provide us uh, with an opportunity. We're certainly a, a very deserving team, and uh, we're, we're hopeful uh, that that will come to pass. So it is Beat Coastal Week. I'm, no, I'm sure you've seen the shirts, and uh, you kind of know – what has been going on since 2000, I think 16 was the last time we played them, which is before, I think right before your time here. So how versed are you in the coastal rivalry uh, and, and what, and what it means to our fans? And um, yeah, have you looked back at the history and what are kind of your take on some of these rivalries that form in college football? I think rivalries are fantastic. And uh, you know, it's really important to, uh, to establish rivalries. And we have one with Coastal. We had one at the FCS level. Now we both moved up to FBS and I expect it'll continue uh, at that level. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I've never personally been part of a, a Liberty Coastal game, but uh, there's a lot of excitement. And uh, I can sense that from uh, our fans as well as our staff. So seeing how the fans and, and both schools have kind of reacted to this game and how game day even chose to come and highlight this game for the week. Uh, does that uh, initiate any conversations to extend the series? I know we have a pretty lengthy series or even add a game. I think our next one's in 2024. 
Um, is that something that, that ADs and, and schedule makers kind of sit back and say, wow, our, our fans really like this. Does that give you a little bit more incentive to try to add to this uh, series? Or is this something that you try to work out best you can and, and, and see how, how the series we have goes already? Yeah, when we made the move to, uh, to FBS football, one of the schools that we targeted to uh, create a series with was Coastal because of the rivalry. And we've been fortunate, uh, in addition to this, this year's game, we've scheduled uh, 23, 20, 27, 28, 29 with Coastal. So wow. of six games. And uh, again, I think it's great for uh, for both programs. And it's also exciting to see you know, both programs are on the rise and, and doing some exciting things on the national level. So, Ian, I, I need you to be completely honest with me on this one. I, I know that you got a lot of good AD speak, and, and you're, you're the best at being buttoned up on these things. But when you first took the LU job, was top 25 game day, a nine-win season, possibly 10, a bowl win? Was any of that in your five-year plan or goal that you had personally or for our program? Uh, to be honest with you, you know those, those really aren't metrics that you can count on and, and uh, assume are going to happen. Those are just things that result when you have outstanding coaches and a strong culture and we have a great mission and, and strong commitment from our administration. And when those things are all in place, uh, a lot of exciting things are possible. So uh, those are all wonderful achievements and, and uh, accomplishments. We look forward to having many more like that, but that, that's not possible without the incredible people we have at Liberty and we're just very blessed. So uh, COVID, as you alluded to earlier, has just wreaked havoc on, on scheduling, on, on participation from athletes, on fan engagement. Um, what is the biggest impact that COVID's had on our athletic program so far? And how disappointed are you that we couldn't get this full impact of, you know, the football run we're on right now? We can't get the full impact and implications and how, how the benefits from it for our program. How disappointing is that? Well, uh, COVID's challenging. It's something we work on literally every day. Uh, it's a big challenge for our medical staff and our strength conditioning staff, our coaching staff, support staff, everyone across the board really has to, to work as a team to put our student athletes in the best position to remain uh, healthy and safe. And I think we've done a really good job in that regard. Uh, our student athletes have had to make good decisions and I think they've, they've put themselves in position thus far. We're 10 for 10 in playing games and there are not a lot of schools that could say that. So uh, it's affected every program in the country, uh, including ours, but um, uh, it, it certainly uh, has made this a, a difficult uh, uh, time for uh, for college athletics. And now as we're, we're transitioning to basketball, we're off to a good start with uh, both the men and women being able to play their early games thus far. But, you know, we anticipate there are going to be disruptions. It's just uh, uh, every school in the country has dealt with it, and uh, we are as well. So uh, you mentioned basketball, and coming up Thursday of this week, uh, we're hosting a game in our new arena. Kind of feels, you know, we're not going to have full capacity, and we're not going to have the full experience just quite yet. But it, it is hosting a game. What are you most excited about about that arena and, and being able to host games there? Is it the amenities? Is it the the environment? Is it what is it about that arena that's so special that you're most excited about and being able to host games in there? I think thus far, what's what's really struck me is just the you know the video board, ribbon board, sound system, lighting system, just is incredible and and just it blows people away. And, and of course, at this point, we haven't even had any fans uh, in the in the venue, so it, it's going to be an incredible atmosphere, really, really special. And I think when we get to having our game day experience and and four thousand people in the stands, 
uh, I think it's going to be an incredible home court advantage for our, our volleyball and basketball programs. So what is it about Coach McKay? Uh, what is his best attribute as a coach? I mean, you have attributes like recruiting, you have X's and O's, you have all of those different things that make a great coach. What is McKay's best attribute and how's he sustained such greatness with coming off two championships and then coming in this, this year and beating two SEC teams and reloading instead of rebuilding? What is his number one attribute that makes him a great head coach? No, he has many uh, outstanding attributes. He's a wonderful man, a great uh, mentor, coach, leader. Uh, there's so many things, but I would say what really separates him is his constant pursuit of selfless excellence. And uh, uh, there are a lot of people that pursue excellence, and he does it in a selfless way. And I think that's one of the things that really makes him a unique uh, individual and, and one of the reasons why we're so blessed to have him leading our, our basketball program here at Liberty. So um, I, I totally agree. He strikes that balance between humbleness and confidence like I've never seen in a coach before. And, and it, it's amazing to see that. And uh, I think you've hit it nail, nail on the head there. That is probably his best attribute as a coach, <clears throat> which is kind of fits our mission of our school perfectly. And, and it kind of that's that's what's made him so successful here. Um, what have you found? Uh, have you found that the social media and the official channels like the football and the flames and the men's basketball accounts. Um, have you found those especially important in keeping fans engaged during this pandemic when we can't go to the games and stuff? And it kind of feels like LU is setting the standard on social media and for digital content. Um, is that by design? Is that something that you set out to say, Hey, look, this is an important thing um, for building our program and keeping fans engaged. We want to have the best and, and a limitless type of uh, opportunities and, and resources. Or is it just kind of one of those things we fell into some really talented folks and and uh, who who kind of knew what was going on? So how important it, has it been during COVID? And then um, was that that by design to kind of be the standard there? Social media is critical in today's world. It it impacts uh, your branding. It impacts recruiting. Just so many aspects of of our program. And I thought uh, a couple of years ago uh, we were a little behind, and some of our coaches didn't feel like we were. Uh, we had our social media game uh, at the level they wanted it to be, and so we invested. And uh, I think it's a combination of having great personnel, uh, really high skill level, big commitment, and all those things have come together to, I think, really put us in a position where our social media team is truly exceptional. The content, I think, is as good as any school in the country. Uh, we have great colors. We have great logos. And, and uh, our, our talent staff are able to – um, really do some special things in terms of both video and graphics and just overall content. So we're very blessed in that regard. And I think we are, um, we really have a high level uh, operation. Yeah. I, I, I hate to keep adding on to your answers, but a, a, a guy that recently came over to Liberty from UVA told me that the blue and the orange were, didn't go for the graphics quite as well as the blue and the red. So it's, it's interesting you point that out. We do have a great colors and great design that make this digital content pop even more. Um, so last question is, how rewarding and fun has your job been at LU? And uh, I, I know, is this just what you imagined when you got hired and you walked onto the mountain? We didn't have half the facilities we have now. And is this kind of, uh, is this rewarding for you in a personal way? Or is this uh, kind of, I mean, you've made a lot of stops as an athletic director. Is this just kind of another punch the time clock? I just want to kind of get your experience on, you know, for me personally, a job, you know, I find enjoyment in my job, but it's pretty rewarding. 
But, you know, I feel like for somebody like you, having all of these, this impact and, and seeing all of these things, has that just been a, has it been more of a job or has it been more of a rewarding type career thing for you? Yeah, it's been uh, certainly very gratifying. I just finished up my fourth year and it's amazing how quickly it's gone. And it's certainly been a really special time. And uh, just, just, uh, I can't thank, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, Dr. Fall, President Falwell and, and everyone who gave me the opportunity, Randy Smith, who gave me the opportunity to, to come here in the first place. And uh, it's just been been wonderful. But we uh, we give God the glory. And uh, I'm just grateful for an opportunity to work with such great coaches and staff and student athletes. And uh, we have amazing support from our university. And, and because of those things, um, I think God has really uh, poured out incredible favor on our program. And uh, we're seeing it in terms of wins and losses, but also just the development of our student athletes and our, and, uh, our people. And that, that's one of the things that's most rewarding. Always, it's great to talk with you. I really appreciate your input. And uh, we were just uh, so excited and, and blessed to have you leading the ship here. And it feels like it couldn't have happened to a better guy and just kind of leading us through this. And, uh, you know, as fans, this is our first time going through it. So we look to you and how you respond. And I mean, you've been through a lot of this before. So it's it's always nice to have somebody there that we can look to and say, all right, all right, Ian's Ian's been here in the top 25 before he knows how to act. So we, we love to have that um, impact and that foresight leading our program. Ian, thank you very much. Thanks, Chad. Appreciate it. Great to be with you.